0: What's up, everybody? It's episode 23 of the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. It's me, Joe Sorallo, joining me as always, my man Mackenzie Rivers, and we're starting a fresh slate with this episode. We are tied in our best bet competition, so we will see after this episode who takes the lead or if we remain tied. But we've got a couple great games to get to on the slate coming up for this week. And some playoff picture storylines. Mackenzie. I want to start out in the Western Conference talking about the battle for the two seed, the Grizzlies, the Warriors. But first off, how are you on this Monday, my man?
1: I'm doing good. I got to see some excellent basketball over the weekend. Nikola Jokic, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, and even LeBron James in the Wayback Machine put on memorable performances, probably the weekend of the year as far as NBA action is concerned.
0: Yeah, I mean, that Lakers-Warriors game on Saturday night was appointment television. You know, I have to say, though, not not to rain on the Lakers parade, but for LeBron to have the game that he had, putting up over 50 points in that one, that game should not have been as close as it was. It really, to me, I know it was great to get them off the losing streak, but the fact that LeBron puts up over a 50-piece and the game was as close as it was... It just speaks to how little of a supporting cast he has out there, in my opinion.
1: Russell Westbrook had a decent game. Interesting. There's, uh, I mean, for him, which is, you know, an average game for uh, most star-level point guards these days, unfortunately, there's actually a prop. I'll be interested to hear what you think on it. Uh, Bet online put out this prop. Two props, actually. We'll get into Frank Vogel and his chances to return. But what do you think the odds are that Russell Westbrook will come off the bench this season? Any game.
0: I don't think it happens. I, I know that there's been, you know, murmurs and, and rumors about it happening. I just, I don't see it happening, frankly. It's like the Lakers, you know, who, who's going to start, right? Who do the Lakers have? They're not a deep team. They're not this profoundly talented team. You know, they're the 2012 All-Stars. So I'm I'm sorry, you know, Russ has played poorly.
1: You are correct, sir. The market, or at least the market agrees with you. 60% chance that no, Russell Westbrook will start no game, zero games for Westbrook off the bench, minus 180 to the no Plus 140 to the yes. Let's keep this game going. Will Frank Vogel be the Lakers head coach next season? There's a prop on this as well. What do you think the odds are? Vogel will be back. I don't think he's going anywhere. You might be shocked, or at least you might think this is a betting opportunity. No is minus 700. No, Frank Vogel will not be the Lakers head coach next season, according to this one bet online prop. Yes, plus 400. Commutes to about 85% chance that Vogel will be gone. That seems very high to me. I mean, it seemed middle of the season when you, you heard rumors he's coaching game to game, he's coaching for his job. That's kind of died down. And it seems like the uh, GM and the roster construction is more the crosshairs of Lakers frustrations at this point.
0: Yeah, that, that that's exactly my thought process there. You know, I just said, this is not a great roster. You've got your, you know, big three, LeBron AD. And of course, Russ, who's played, you know, like garbage for most of the season. But this is all player construction, and uh, I think plus four hundred is a great value to take Vogel to return. Do you have any more of these? This is fun. This should be like a whole segment.
1: <laughs> Those were the two. Those were the two that the the good people at Bet Online uh, gave us for today. All right. Well, let's
0: talk about the two seed in the Western Conference, Mackenzie, because this is really interesting to me. You've got the Warriors playing the Nuggets tonight. Now, this episode will probably be out already. Um, or rather, that game will probably be concluded already by the time this episode is out. Denver is going to win that game, right? The Warriors are not sending Steph, uh, Andrew Wiggins or Clay Thompson to Denver for that uh for that matchup per the last report that I saw, uh, because they're playing back-to-back. So Denver's gonna win that game. And when that happens, the Memphis Grizzlies will hold the two seed in the Western Conference for I believe the first time this season. Now, given the new playoff format with that mini play in tournament, seven plays eight winner gets a seven seed nine plays 10 winner of that plays the loser of seven, eight for the rights to the eight seed. So given the new format, how important is it to get that two seed in the Western conference this year?
1: Michael Wilbon was on the Tony Kornheiser show this morning. I always like to check the Monday edition when Michael comes on. It's been, it's been a tradition for mine for a decade and it was confirming. It was nice to hear that. My thought over the weekend was also Michael Wilbon's thought this is going to be the most wide open playoffs that we've ever seen. There is no prohibited favorite in either conference, and the Grizzlies and the Warriors played a play-in game, the second of two play-in games to get the eighth seed last year. Now they're vying for the second seed. I don't think it's really going to come down to the final week, because in uh, you know, in a vacuum, the second seed you, you're home that second round of the playoffs, most likely or definitely, uh, you get to play the seventh instead of the sixth. But we don't know who that seventh and sixth is going to be. It could easily be the Lakers, or it could easily be the Pelicans, or it could be a team even as good as the Mavericks could fall to to six or seven. So there's a lot of uh, consternation as far as it comes down to it. I think it's more important for the Warriors, for example, just to be. You know, playing basketball well like they did in November and December and January because they've really fallen off. They're, five, they're 500 since Draymond Green's been out. I mean, they, their stats for the season still look good like a top-five team. Not going to win a championship playing that kind of basketball. They haven't been excellent for more than two months, so they have to turn that around, let alone win games down the stretch.
0: You could have a good point there that maybe the two seed doesn't matter all that much because of how even things seem to be this year compared to most years. But at the same time, it's just when you look at the teams that are in the play, and specifically one team, and it's a team that, you know, we're writing off a team that we just spoke about, understandably so, the LA Lakers. It's like, you know, to be the two seed and be stuck with potentially the Lakers, that doesn't seem like you're being rewarded for having the two seed. But on the flip side, the Lakers you know, just flat out have not been good. And if you're the three, you get a Nuggets team that'll be more well rested than whoever the seven seed is, presumably. And and so it's really interesting to look at the flip side. Also, right now, you can argue that in the West, the way things currently look, the two seed is actually better than the one seed, because right now the Lakers are in the nine, so they could only get the eight. And again, you know, we're talking hypotheticals here, so don't pay too much attention to it. We've still got another month or month and a half to go. But just looking at the way things could shake out now, it's almost like I'd rather be the two than the one. Cause who would you rather have the Clippers or Timberwolves or a full seven game series potentially with LeBron? I know the Timberwolves have won more games, McKenzie, but I'd rather seven games against Minnesota or the Clippers than the King.
1: I'd rather have the Timberwolves and give them a game, hand them a game and have to play LeBron. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he has more experience in the playoffs in in big games than anybody you're gonna come up against. So yeah, that's a challenge. We've been talking about this all year. 538 currently projects 7% chance that the Lakers get into the final 16. I'm telling you, if I'm the Pelicans, the Clippers, or the Timberwolves, i um, I just don't believe those numbers. I think that it's gonna be, I think they are the favorites to land the eighth seed anytime you get into a one and done situation with a player as great as LeBron James.
0: And then you flip over to the Eastern Conference. And, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that this could be the most wide open field of 16. Because I think that we've seen, you know, years where maybe one conference has a more wide open field. But this is the first year I can remember where each conference is a toss-up. I I mean, right now, the way things currently stand, you know, Phoenix has been for a long time my pick to win it all to avenge last year's finals loss. But I'm sorry, no disrespect. I love watching the Heat play basketball. I don't think they're coming out of the East when things are said and done. So, you know, it's not just one seed versus one seed, like we've seen so many times in the NBA over the past decade. But you look at the Eastern Conference, McKenzie, and, you know, we talk about the Lakers only having a 7% chance at being in the final eight in the West. What about the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, I mean, how realistic is it? We said last episode, maybe both teams missed the final field of 16, and they were the favorites preseason. But right now, the Nets, they've dipped under five hundred. How realistic is it that they miss the playoffs?
1: Yep, for the very first time on NBA 538, their algorithm says the Nets are more likely to miss the playoffs than to make the playoffs. This is a team that's third favorite right now, right right wow. around plus 650 consensus. They're right around the same odds as the Bucs and the Sixers, and the Bucs and the Sixers have a 99.999% chance to make the playoffs. Similar to the Lakers, I think these algorithms look at uh, data that doesn't quite appreciate Uh, you know who I am, Kevin Durant, and how good he is. I do think if I'm the Hawks, the Hornets, or the Raptors, there's one team I don't want to see in the play-in, and that's the Nets, because they're better.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I absolutely agree with you there. I mean, the Nets and Lakers, you know, it's ironic, because just as easily as they're currently in a nine spot, so they could lose that first game and be done, they could also run the table and wreak some havoc. But right now, the Nets hosting Atlanta in that 9-10 game God, I mean, the Hawks have been bad on the road, but the, next at, the Nets at home without Kyrie, who the hell knows Ben Simmons' situation? I, I mean, that could be scary. The Nets almost, it, it might be more beneficial to be on the
1: road. Right. If you're the Nets, I, I think i rather, I mean, it's close, but the way that they've played in Brooklyn so far this year, I think I'd rather take my chances with Atlanta with my second best player in tow.
0: Yeah, I, I think that the Nets' only situation right now that looks anywhere decent for this, uh, this play-in is is the 10 seed. Because if they're the eight, they're at Toronto. Kyrie can't play in Toronto or New York City. And well, they could
1: still get the seven. They could still get the seven. That would obviously be the best.
0: Well, yeah, if they're the seven, they're at home, which, you know, it's the best yeah, because you only have true. to win once, but you have no Kyrie. So true. it's it's really interesting to see how things might shake out. And the Nets are currently tied with Charlotte and Atlanta. Uh, so it's a three-way tie for the eight seed, really. But they play Charlotte Tomorrow night, or if you're listening to this on Tuesday, tonight, they're projecting as two-and-a-half-point favorites in this one, Mackenzie. So you've got two teams fighting for a playoff spot, both 32 and 33. How do you see this one shaking out?
1: It's crazy. If you would have told me entering this year that last year's Eastern Conference finalists, the Atlanta Hawks, were going to face the NBA final favorites in the Eastern Conference semifinal, I that sounds like it would make sense, but they're actually more likely to face... In the 9-10 round, both teams, <laughs> extremely disappointing. In this case, I feel like Kevin Durant's on a mission. The fact that you get Kyrie Irving for this game is going to factor in. I just don't think he'd lose his three straight. You saw him at the end of that Celtics game. Uh, the look on his face after he'd put up you know almost a 40-piece wasn't enough. But in this case, I just think the talent, the motivation – the Hornets, uh, they're in. They're they're in for a tough one. I I, I lean heavily towards the Nets here.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm really glad that you said that because I do too. And if you look at the numbers, as we both do all the time, and you know, typically when I'm going to make a bet or especially a best bet, I try to back it up with you know this team's you know performs this way at home or this way with a rest advantage. All of those signs in this case point to the Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets. Uh, have a good home cover record with a rest advantage. They are one of the, uh, actually, they're the best team in basketball with a rest advantage against the spread. One of the best teams with two to three days off. So it's like if I'm looking at that logic, right, it all points towards the Charlotte Hornets. But prior to this mini two-game win streak that they're on, the Hornets are just five, nine, and two against the spread since January 28th. And that, that includes the two-game win streak. It's a win and cover streak. So prior to that, in 14 games, they were just 3-9-2 against the spread. February was an awful month for the Hornets. Now, of course, you have the Nets, who have lost four straight and have lost 17 of 20. The Nets have been absolutely abysmal. But you mentioned Kyrie. Is he going to lose a third straight when he's in the lineup? Kevin Durant, this is his third game back from his injury. And that's why throwing all the numbers and, you know, what trends tell us and how bad the Nets have been over 20 games, throwing all of that out the window, I think the Brooklyn Nets are a far superior team to the Charlotte Hornets. Even if you just, you know, cancel out the two all-star point guards, Kyrie and LaMelo, and just look at the rest of the team past those two guys, you know, who do the Hornets have that can compare to Durant? Maybe LaMelo can compare to Kyrie. No one can compare to Durant. It's a star-driven lead. And that's why my best bet in this one is not a side, even though I think the Nets win this one handily. But it's Kevin Durant going over his total points and rebounds. Any number up to 37.5, I'm taking the over. The average in his past 10 games has been 35.5. So I'm giving you two full points there of buffer room. Kevin Durant, points and rebounds. Over anything up to 37 and a half is my best bet for the week. And of course, my best bet on the game.
1: I like it. I was leaning. I was leaning towards a Kevin Durant prop possibly being my best bet. But um, I'll, I'll get I have I have another option for you guys. And, and this this came out last uh, against the Celtics just way too low. This was 32 and a half points and rebounds versus the Celtics. Celtics great defense. Maybe that no Kevin Durant still Kevin Durant. This is a guy that put up. 50 17 and 11 not that long ago in the playoffs against the Milwaukee Bucks, an excellent defensive team. I just think the, the books are expecting a slow regression towards his MVP level. He may already be there, he may have been there before he even came back for the first game. His stats so far show it.
0: Yeah, so far he's been incredible. I mean, look, you know, I, I hit that prop for the Celtics game, I was staying away from it against the Heat, and it was juicy. It was like 29 and a half, but first game back. Who knows about a minute's restriction, this and that. Forget the rebounds. He had 31 points. I, I mean, his points alone have gone over that total on numerous occasions this season. So I absolutely love that. It's why it's my best bet in this one. I don't think Charlotte has the size or length on the perimeter uh, to really slow Durant down. I know he's fragile, and but you know, I, I can't even say he's not. I was just about to say, I know he's not 100% yet. I, I can't say that because so far he's looked 100% in his two games back. Now, There's another game Tuesday night I can't wait for. I think this is probably going to be the most fun game of the week. I don't know if it's going to be on TV anywhere outside of local markets, but the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, don't be fooled by the Pelicans' record. Mackenzie. I think this is going to be the most entertaining game of the week.
1: Well, if you're looking at the record since the All-Star break, then 4-1 and plus 18 per 100 possessions – the New Orleans Pelicans have been the best team since the break. By the way, that one loss to the Nuggets, Nuggets are 5-1, and one, second best net rating in the league. So the one time they've lost has been against another team ascending. We talked about the Lakers earlier. Brandon Ingram might be the one piece, and I know you, know, you got a championship, you got Anthony Davis, you can never regret anything that happened to precede that, but since the All-Star break, this guy has been maybe the best small forward with apologies to Kevin Durant in the Western Conference or in the league. This guy's put up thirty-eight and five doing it all. Have you seen Ingram? What do you what do you attribute to this? Again, this guy one most improved player in the year, but this seems to be another level for Ingram right now.
0: Yeah, I mean look, I can't sit here and say this shocks me all that much because I've just been a Brandon Ingram stan since he was with the Lakers, right? Kyle Kuzma was the one back then putting up better numbers of their young three, Lonzo, Kuzma, and Ingram. But to me, it was just so crystal clear from the start that Brandon Ingram had the most promising future of anyone, any youngster on that Lakers team. So when he won most improved player, I was all over him to have a big year. Didn't really shock me. What he's doing now, it's incredible. I mean, 38 points, I can't say I expect that on a nightly basis, but it doesn't shock me all that much just because I have full belief in the fact that Brandon Ingram can, should, and will be a perennial all-star in this league. And you're seeing now that he's got an incredible point guard there. I mean, that marriage between B.I. and C.J. McCollum has just been absolutely perfect since that trade was made with Portland. But now if you look at this game, I mean, the Pelicans, they're fun, they're exciting, right? They've got new life since that trade. The Memphis Grizzlies are like the most fun, exciting team in basketball. So here's a little nugget for you. Since New Year's Eve, the Memphis Grizzlies are 10-2 and two at home, both straight up and against the spread. In those 12 games, we talk about the Pelicans and their incredible differential and how many points that they're averaging. I'll get those numbers out in a minute. But in those 12 games at home since New Year's Eve for the Grizzlies, they're 10-2 and, and averaging 117 points per game. And their average margin of victory is and half points. Now, no win has come by fewer than eight in those 12 games or in those 10 wins. And they're right now projecting as five-point favorites against New Orleans. So if you think they're gonna win, their last 10 home wins have all been by eight or more. Now, if you wanna take this a step further, there's one outlier I want to remove, and that was a 112 to 85 home loss to the Dallas Mavericks, who just have the Grizzlies number. They've had it all season. Take that game out, and the Grizzlies are 10 and one averaging 120 points per game, and their average margin of victory shoots up from 11.5 points per, uh, per game to 15 points per game. So the Memphis Grizzlies, who you know we always talk about their tremendous cover records on the road and as a road dog, they've been dominant at home since New Year's Eve. The entirety of 2022 to this point, the Grizzlies at home have been incredible and an incredible team, more importantly, to bet on now the Pelicans, as you mentioned, McKenzie, four and one straight up and against the spread since the All-Star break. And they haven't lost or failed to cover a game in regulation in that time. And in those five games, they're averaging 124 points and their average margin of victory, even including that eight point loss to Denver, their average margin is plus 20, plus 19.8 to be exact. That's insanity. You've got BI averaging 38. You've got John Morant with like, what, four 40-point games since the All-Star break and a 50-piece too. Uh, I mean, this is just running gun, young, exciting, up-tempo, incredible basketball. And so while my lean here is Grizzlies minus five, I think an over on anything up to 230 is a given. I I know that we're projecting uh, 225 to be the total in this one. But going off the Grizzlies with their averaging at home since New Year's Eve, what the Pelicans are averaging since the All Star break, I think you're pretty safe going up to and over anything up to 230 on this one. That's my bonus bet for this game.
1: Yeah, the Pelicans were lined right at 228 in their last game versus the Nuggets. Ended up getting there in regulation, ended up going way over in overtime. I'll talk about my projection a little bit of 225. So I've set up three projections I look at side by side, and then I find a golden mean which is the 225. What's interesting, though, is sometimes when I look at the Vegas spread, it's exactly where my season-long projection makes it. Sometimes it's almost exactly where my 30-day projection makes it. And sometimes it's exactly where my 12-day projection makes it. In this case, considering the Pelicans, the way they're playing, and the way the Grizzlies have taken off offensively, like you mentioned, maybe my 12-day projection will end up being closer to the total. That's at 232. Oftentimes I look for the discrepancies and I think what is the real truth behind these numbers? Do I think it's just kind of an aberration or do I think there's something really going on here the last couple of weeks before I make my total bet? Sounds like you think the 232 is is closer to accurate, in which case you can put your opinion versus the bookmaker where they come out at and make a bet. I tend to agree with you. I think the Pelicans have dominated defensively versus big men. They are number one. In preventing power forwards from scoring. And number five versus centers from scoring recently. That's why that leads me to my best bet. John Morant has been scoring at a tear over 28 and a half points. Now here's the thing. Morant had had one game where he kind of fell off his scoring total. That was against the Minnesota Timberwolves. or an excellent defense against point guards. I gave out that under here on, on this podcast. This is the opposite situation. The Pelicans are dominant at stopping. I mean, anyone not named Nikola Jokic, but usually stopping. I mean, he just 43 points on a triple double, 45 points in a triple double. I think he took over the as the MVP after that game.
0: Yeah, he did. And they they stopped him the first three quarters, by the way. To your point, he had 30 points in the fourth quarter. They stopped him for 36 minutes of hoops.
1: Yes, exactly. And the, and the Nuggets were trying to find different ways to score until he just had to put the cape on. And do it himself. I think John Moran is gonna be finding ways to score early and often. That's why my best bet projected number is gonna be over twenty eight and a half points for John Moran.
0: I love it. I love it. would you take that up a point? I think the highest he's gone was twenty nine and a half the other night and he went over. Would you take it up and guarantee a thirty piece? Yes.
1: I will say uh buy price twenty nine and a half. I uh but look you know, look out for the number. Look out if this comes out at twenty eight and a half, that's better. That's a better yeah. bet. <laughs> a-
0: absolutely. Shop around. Like we always say, shop yep. around on my Durant. Again, you know, I don't have a projection on that. I'm going based off of, you know, the average. And the average for his last 10 has been 35 and a half. Not including in Miami game. I think
1: that's really fair of you because, like I said, the prop came out yesterday Three points lower, so you're giving the people a little buy buy price, a little wiggle room. But yeah, look out for that prop. It probably does open around 33 where it was last. And I think it probably closes where your head's at, around 35.
0: Yeah, and, and like I said, I'll take it up to 37 and a half, and I'll take the accountability on that one. Durant over third, up to over 37 and a half points in boards. Ja, up to over 29 and a half points. I love them both. I think this is the first time, McKenzie, we have both dished out player props as our best bets in the same episode
1: competition breeds innovation my friend we are both (laughs) trying to get there we're both trying to be number one I want you to be number two in the whole world in NBA betting but I want to be number one
0: absolutely and the same sentiment holds true here my man let's go hit them both let's go make our listeners some money on both of our best bets guys thanks for listening we'll see you next time